You are listening to the Curiosity Podcast, a podcast aimed at equipping future changemakers with the skills that they need to thrive. We discuss business frameworks, exponential technologies, mental health, and living the life that you want to lead. We release an episode every second Thursday and can be found at curiositypodcast.ca. Hello and welcome back to the Curiosity Podcast. Today we are joined by Brian Adams, who is a CTO at Salient Energy, a startup developing zinc metal batteries based on aqueous electrolytes for large-scale energy storage applications. After getting a PhD at Waterloo, he was a postdoctoral research associate at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, where he studied the electrodeposition and stripping of lithium metal. Brian, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for this conversation. Before we get into some questions, is there anything that you want to add to the introduction? Uh, no, I, I, you you nailed it. Um, that's that's uh, my brief background, so uh, we can get into details afterwards. Awesome. But thank, thank you. So the first question that I have for you is kind of about what you were like when you were younger, because our demographic for this podcast is mainly in high school right now. So my question is, what were you like in high school and when did you decide to pursue chemistry? Great questions. Uh, So I, I guess I would classify myself as pretty quiet and reserved in high school. Um, I had a, you know, a, a close group of tight-knit friends um, that was uh, awesome. We actually still hang out. We're in our late 30s now, and um, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's great. I came from a, a small farming community, so my high school was pretty... Yeah, pretty small. And I knew everybody um, since I was really, really young. Um, So I would say I wasn't, um, I I wasn't really, uh, didn't really like the physical setting of of high school. Um, I guess I was maybe a little bit bored. Um, And but, but I definitely figuring out that I wanted to pursue chemistry was pretty natural um and easy to identify um i i i admit and maybe i'm not the best role model for everybody uh it for the for the younger younger audience but um i i would say i didn't try very hard to get good grades in high school but i found myself uh with no effort at all getting getting 90s in chemistry um and i also enjoyed um mixing uh, my, a couple of my friends and i we as a i guess a silly little hobby um mixing fuels and oxidizers together to to make uh to blow things up and so i i think from a pretty early age and and particularly in high school i knew that uh, uh chemistry was probably the direction that i was going to take in, in my life and my career. That is very cool. And now you've pivoted specifically to looking at a particular part of chemistry, battery tech. So can you tell us a bit about what a zinc metal battery actually is for our listeners who may not be too familiar with battery tech and also how it's favorable to solutions like lithium ion batteries? Sure. Maybe I'll switch the order of that and and just um since you mentioned lithium ion batteries i 
Um, I think it's important for everybody to recognize um, how amazing lithium ion batteries are. Um, they are, are you're not going to beat them in terms of uh, portability. Um, they have the highest energy density possible. So energy density um, in terms of uh, uh, energy per unit of mass or energy per unit of volume. Um, and, and there's some very specific reasons for that. Um, so lithium is actually some chemistry reasons for that. So lithium metal is the lightest metal um, on the periodic table. Um, it also happens to have the most negative potential if you look at the standard table of reduction potentials. Um, and what that means is it's the easiest to be oxidized. And when used in a battery, uh, if you use it as the negative electrode, um, th there's lots of terms that um, uh, get thrown around, but I like to use the, the terms negative and positive electrodes. Um, they're better suited for rechargeable batteries. Um, you might also hear anode and cathode, um, but uh, generally speaking, although um, these terms get used interchangeably, those are mainly are better suited for um, primary or non-rechargeable um, batteries or cells. Um, anyways, getting back to lithium ion and what it's done for us, um, we went from in the probably the the nineties. Um, there was a a few different types of rechargeable batteries came on the market all at once um, that were that were used for. Um, you know, consumer electronics, uh, uh, cell phones, well, even before cell phones, um, portable phones, uh, flashlights and, and other things. And so those were your nickel CAD, um, sorry, I guess like power tools as well in, in the con construction industry. Um, there was nickel metal hydride and nickel cadmium. Um, and all of those got replaced uh, by, by lithium ion. It just became dominant. Um, and because of, of the amazing properties that it has. So, um, and now the next push for, for batteries in general is electric vehicles. Now that we got that out of the way, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about zinc batteries. Um, so zinc batteries are, are not new. Um, they, well, one of the first good examples was called the voltaic pile. And that was invented in the late 1700s. Um, they basically, it was a stack of zinc and copper discs with a separator in between the layers and soaked in, in, in salt water as the electrolyte. Um, and this, yeah, although this particular example isn't used today, there's other examples around us. Um, the, um, the kind of the primary or non-rechargeable uh, AA or AAA batteries that your alkaline cells, they're called um, Energizer and Duracell um, are the big leaders there. They, um, they actually use the same material set, uh, excluding the electrolyte is a little bit different, but 
they use zinc and manganese dioxide. And that's actually what we're using in our zinc ion batteries. Um, the, the limitation of zinc batteries, the reason why um, you're not hearing about rechargeable zinc batteries is until the past probably decade, um, it was impossible. No, nobody was be able to, to charge zinc metal. Basically, what happens, there's a problem that um, people often call dendrites. Uh, and, and sh but what it is, is an internal short circuit of the battery, meaning you lose energy. The two electrodes internally come in contact with each other. And that's because um, as you try to recharge it, you're plating zinc metal back onto the negative electrode. And if it doesn't grow with the right structure, with the right uh, morphology, um, it can penetrate, grow outwards and penetrate through the separator and make electrical contact with your positive electrode. Um, that's called a short circuit and, and your battery is dead after that. Um, and so we've been able to solve that problem with our zinc ion battery. And the way that our zinc battery works um, is actually we take some things from from your primary uh, alkaline batteries such as the material set and then some things from uh, the lithium ion battery which uh, in our case is the the mechanism uh, of how it discharges and charges um, on the zinc electrode you have plating and stripping um, you strip zinc metal away from the electrode uh, zinc cations dissolve into the electrolyte during discharge and then during charge the zinc cations plate back onto the negative electrode as metallic zinc on the positive electrode it's a mechanism um, called intercalation um, and that's the same mechanism that occurs in a lithium-ion battery now I mentioned a bit ago that uh, that lithium-ion batteries were basically the best. Um, they're the best for portable applications and and electric vehicles where uh, uh, weight is is um, is an issue. You don't want to be lifting a, a laptop if it weighs fifty pounds, or um, your car won't uh, in an electric vehicle. Your car uh, won't. Be able to drive a long distance if it if it weighs too much if it's heavy enough um for stationary energy storage which is the market that we're targeting uh weight doesn't matter um these are batteries large battery banks that sit on the ground somewhere don't move um and we uh, probably the easiest use case to describe is um is pairing those batteries with um, solar or wind renewable energy sources. So normally with renewable energy, you can't control. Um, it, it's called intermittency. So you can't control when the wind blows or the sun shines. With batteries, you can basically charge the battery up whenever the energy is available, whether the whether it's a windy day or, or a sunny day, uh, you charge up the battery. 
then at 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 nighttime or or when those energy sources aren't available, you discharge the battery to provide energy for or electricity specifically for whatever uh, your needs are. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, kind of what a zinc battery is, and 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 why some, I guess, some of the reasons why um, it would be an all considered as an alternative to lithium. I think lithium ion. Lithium ion will be used in in the future in every vehicle. And so there's simply not enough of it. Um, there's not enough batteries. And so we need alternatives for um, other emerging markets, such as uh, uh, what I described. Thank you so much for running through that chemistry. It was so interesting to hear about. And it also makes a lot of sense about the applications, because although lithium ion batteries are really good for an application like cars or still renewable energy to take into account, which is obviously emerging as an enormous market. And even though solar and wind are both rising, you can't really have them without energy storage. I've been doing a little bit of research into solar lately as well. And definitely a, a big thing I've been seeing is, although like we can try to produce renewable energy more efficiently, which is definitely one part of the equation and really important, it's pretty much useless without energy storage and they really do go hand in hand. So um, like these kinds of batteries for that purpose is really important as well. And so it was really interesting to hear about. Um, and I know right now Salient has a pilot plant in Dartmouth. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a bit about how the company decided to do a pilot project in this area and kind of what that decision making process looks like. Yeah, sure. So um well, I guess I'll take take a step back. There was uh, we we originally started the company in um, Kitchener Waterloo, Ontario, um, and that was in 2017. We started operating, and we we moved uh, here to Nova Scotia in 2019, and we've been here ever since. Um, and there was there was several um, several things that that brought us out here. Um, so we were part of a, a, a program for, um, startup companies and, and called Creative Dis Destruction Labs, CDL. And, and CDL has, um, has kind of, uh, hubs all across Canada in, in different cities. And we were making the decision of whether to go to Toronto, which had more of a financial uh, focus, or to Halifax, um, which had an energy focus, and we and we decided to to um, as part of that program to come here to Halifax. And so, through that program, we met um, just an enormous number of like mentors and um, uh, people in the industry. There was a growing like battery research hub here. Um, uh, there's a um, a, a professor named Jeff Don at, at Dalhousie University, who's um, a world-renowned lithium-ion battery scientist. Um, he's uh, he, he's under contract with Tesla right now as their chief battery scientist, and and so um, so we wanted to be part of of this uh, uh, battery hub, I, I would say, and we also uh, as a small 
startup company, we we managed to raise a round of investment from angel investors in the Halifax area. And then I would say most importantly, there was space available for us um, to to set up a, a pilot plant. So uh, there's a lot of factors, but um, it was it was like all the stars aligned. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, I guess. For a, a battery tech startup, finding the right locations to pilot in is really important. And something else that I've been reading about a lot with um, battery tech is like how much they're influenced by supply chains, which I know are a really big consideration for scaling up batteries that can deliver globally. So can you tell us about how you decide where to best source raw materials? Because I know you get raw materials from various places around the world and then also how you've had to adapt with the global events like covid wars etc that disrupt these supply chains um yeah so uh this is a, a actually you're you're absolutely right um for for batteries in in general um the supply chains global events are are affecting things uh to to a major extent um to the extent where the all the governments are are stepping in and and providing just enormous amounts of funding um to try to develop um uh, national local um supply chains um for us uh the story is a little bit different it, it is actually core to our like our original vision um make a battery from non-toxic cheap and abundant raw materials um so we use zinc manganese and water as as the as the electrolyte um so we're actually um so far uh completely unaffected by these global events or um so zinc is mined in 50 different countries around the world, including Canada. Um, manganese is is also mined in, in all over the world. But um, here in North America, there's actually no active mines in Canada or the US, but there is in Mexico. Um, and then, uh, and, and actually, like historically, manganese was mined here in, in Nova Scotia. So it it's it's here uh so that we're not we're not concerned about um raw materials uh as much um we we actually do source all of our uh, all of our raw materials within north america um and but it's still something to consider right um like it, 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 there's always things that you don't think of um that that add to add to our you know global emissions um and and even though it's things like packaging and, and transport um even for us we have a branch in california and it's just shipping um batteries a, a, across the continent um is is adding to emissions so what what we need to do um i think as a society is really take this issue seriously and um whatever whatever it is that you're developing um try to make it literally as local um as possible um even even the discussion of of national um 
national and continental uh, supply chains. I, I don't, I, I think it's a good starting point, but I think we can even do better than that. Um, so that's. Well, that is very cool to hear. Yeah, I didn't know how unaffected um, you were with sourcing everything locally. So that is amazing to hear about. And kind of on that note um, with, you know, being externally impacted, I was wondering how Salient goes about creating three or five or seven year roadmaps for future pilot plants and factories and how that's influenced by things like consumer responses and changes in the battery tech landscape in general, because I know it's like very fast moving and there's constant changes. Yeah, well, um, we don't do seven year. Uh, that's that's too far. Uh, too many things change. Um, th three year roadmaps, uh, strategic roadmaps, absolutely. Um, even five years is probably pushing it a little bit. Um, but what, yeah, how, what, what we do, it starts, it starts with, um, I, I would say it starts with the, with the business model. Um, and, and over the years we've, we've assessed different business models. We've assessed like licensing versus trying to become an acquisition target for a bigger company. Um, versus manufacturing um, and even what we're doing right now is is manufacturing um, uh, that's that's the decision that we've made and so we're we're making a roadmap and or have have uh, created a roadmap around that um, but even even within the manufacturing space there's uh, there's different options there's contract manufacturing versus doing everything in-house and setting up your own factories and equipment. Um, and, and I would say that we're, uh, that's the type of thing that goes, goes into these roadmaps and, and why they can change. Um, as an example, we're doing contract manufacturing right now um, for the, both of our electrodes are positive and negative electrode. And then what we do is we we take rolls of these electrodes and we cut them and stack them and um, package them into into individual cells. Um, and the what we're facing right now with contract manufacturing, it's almost like uh, it's it's related to supply chains. It's related to COVID or things that are after effects. Um, but we're having a hard time getting on people's schedules, uh, getting scheduled in. And so um, the contract manufacturers can't keep up to our demand. And and so we're almost uh, uh, being forced at this point to make a new roadmap, which is um, doing everything ourselves and including pr producing the the, both electrodes so yeah i would say um there's a it's it's a it's a challenging um to to create these roadmaps but um uh but i would say yeah it just it's something that absolutely has to be done and and um uh in order for to provide vision of the company to um our own employees to, to to make sure everybody understands what uh what we're trying to achieve um and then and then externally as well to try to um in a simplistic way uh explain to others um 
yeah, what what our aspirations are. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess creating roadmaps is probably one of your many jobs as the CTO of Salient. So I was wondering for my last question, if you could tell us a little bit more about what your role entails and also what is the biggest challenge of being the CTO of a fast growing battery tech startup? Um, yeah, so, well, I guess uh, my my job consists of overseeing all of the technical activities. So um, that's, we, we've got a, a several different teams, a, a technical teams now. Um, it, it kind of progressed um, just as an, couple examples we have like a cell design team we have an r&d team um and and so it's, it's my my job just to to um make sure that each of those teams has has uh is aligned uh knows what the company's goals and objectives are um kind of I don't get into the so much the day-to-day activities, but um, but 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 determining what uh, what we're going to be working on, uh, um, and I would say so far um, to date, we've mostly been an R and D based company, um, and so that uh, that makes makes a lot of sense. But I would say um, one of the challenges of of being the cto is managing people um i i considered myself to be a good manager when we were um less than when i was managing less than 10 people but once it gets to be bigger and there's more teams and the teams start to be doing uh things that are outside of my area of expertise it's it becomes a little bit more challenging to 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 manage all the activities um an example is I'm I'm a chemist, and so our design teams are, I would say, made a majority of them are mechanical engineers, and um and and we just we we don't have the same background, and so um it's it becomes uh, challenging to to manage people that uh, uh when you don't when you don't have have the uh, expertise in what they're doing. Right. Well. That is honestly incredibly inspiring to hear about and what Salient is doing is amazing. So I'm really excited to follow its progress over the next few years. Uh, And thank you so much for your time today and telling us a little bit more about this technology. Um, Before you go, we would love to get three action items from you for our listeners based on what we talked about today. Um. I think it's uh, uh, since you mentioned that it's a it's a probably a younger audience. I think just to to start working on projects that are that might not um, fit into the uh, curriculum of of high school or even university for that matter, but try to try to make a plan um, as best as you possibly can with objectives um and and start to learn what a what an actual project is um i i i think that's it's super important and and not maybe not discussed enough uh, or included enough in curriculums um but yeah i i think that would be my that would be my one action item would be try to 
try to make a project plan and 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 execute on it on something that you're into something that you enjoy doing um it doesn't have to save the world but um uh just something that you you enjoy try to try to have fun framing it as a as a as a standalone project awesome uh well thank you so much again it was so great to hear from you about this and um yeah i really appreciate your time i mean thanks for having me this has been awesome